This message was presented at the GYC 2015 conference called Chosen Faithful in Louisville, Kentucky. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Okay, well, go down just a little on the mic. I am Leela Lewis, and this is Extreme Pathway, Extreme Makeover Pathway Style. Thank you so much, everybody, for coming. We are going to be talking about some unbelievable things that God is doing and he's been doing over the last few months. If we can turn the volume down just a tiny bit, it's a little bit loud. So the seminar's topics, again, the title is Extreme Makeover Pathway Style. We are going to be looking at practical things. If you are in your own hometown, basically the idea is, how many of you, first of all, how many of you have even heard of Pathway to Health? A few of you. Okay. How many of you have attended a Pathway to Health event? Okay, a few less. All right, so praise God. We're going to talk about what God is doing. He is using free medical, dental, eye care, surgical services, medical and non-medical people to revolutionize and basically completely change the world by God's grace. We have three speakers, myself, Dr. Chris Lewis. I'm an OBGYN. My husband, Chris Lewis, is here two seconds ago. He's a general surgeon. And, of course, we have Don McIntosh, who is both a nurse and a pastor. This is the ambassadorship program. First of all, Pathway to Health will be talking about what it is, what it's done, and how you can do it in your own hometown if that is something that you're interested in. On Friday morning, we're going to have a question and answer session. We'll also have a short section of questions and answers at the end of each section, so please save your questions until then. Write them down because we will be taking question and answer for Friday morning. At this time, before I get started, I actually want to stop right now and have a word of prayer and ask the Lord to bless that he would be lifted up and that no one else will get credit for everything that he is doing. Would you go ahead and bow your heads, and for those who are able, would you uh, feel comfortable kneeling with me? Dear Father in heaven, I praise you and I thank you for this wonderful opportunity of joining you and these wonderful people here this morning to talk about all the goodness and amazing miracles that you have been doing through your people. I ask that we would again lift you up and that you would receive all praise and glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so the ambassadorship program, we will be talking about that, but for those of you who come to all six lectures, you will receive this very nice ambassadorship manual. It has basically everything in it that we have done from a logistics perspective, but we'll talk about that later. So again, Pathway to Health is a service of Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. We provide free medical, dental, eye care, surgical services to uninsured and underinsured populations. But more important, I want to let you read something that's really exciting from the spirit of prophecy. The consciousness of right doing. What? The awareness of doing what is right is the best medicine for diseased bodies and mind. What's the best medicine? To know you're doing the right thing, right? When we do that, a special blessing from God is upon the receiver. They receive health and strength. A person whose mind is quiet and satisfied in God is in the pathway to health. So you and I can be in the pathway to health, if you will, if we know we're doing what is right. That is what is most important. And I find that very interesting as that is our name, if you will, of, the, of this group of people that are doing your best pathway to health. Again, seeking to provide physical, mental, and spiritual healing to the uninsured and underinsured. Watch this video for those of you who do not know what has taken place recently in Pathway to Health. If we can turn the lights down just a little bit, that would be great. The dream began in California's Bay Area to serve, to heal, to love on a mass scale, one person at a time. Free medical care, free dental care, free eye care, absolutely free, no strings attached. Soon more and more were talking about what they had seen, what they had heard, and what they had experienced. A question arose. 
How could we only do this once? Where can we go next? San Antonio, Texas was chosen as the next city whose residents would receive the love of Christ through the hands and feet of anyone willing to serve. An event became a movement. 500 volunteers became a thousand, then 1,500, then 1,700. They came from all parts of North America and beyond, and from all walks of life. They came to register, to greet, to host, to organize, to sing, to teach, and to heal. And as they came, so did the residents of San Antonio. They came the day before the event. They came in the sun, they came in the rain. Services offered inside were more comprehensive than ever. Eye care services included complete eye exams, consultations, retinal scans for glaucoma and retinal detachment, and fittings for glasses. Dental care included cleanings, fillings, crowns, extractions, x-rays, digital scans, and more. Medical care included primary care visits, women's health services, consultation by medical specialists including heart evaluation, as well as gastroenterology, neurology, rheumatology, infectious disease, podiatry services, immunizations, pharmacy, medical massage, physical therapy, x-rays, and laboratory services. And for the first time, medical care included general surgery, including hernia repair, hysterectomies, vasectomies, mass and skin cancer removal, and gallbladder removal. Other first-time services included haircuts and styling, nutrition and healthy cooking demonstrations, and men's suits offered free of charge. And once again, while patients waited, volunteers sang, played, taught and took the opportunity to meet those who had come. Some told their stories, some gladly welcomed prayer, others reflected on their newly found hope. Those who came did not leave the same. Smiles returned to faces, pain was left behind, and perhaps most importantly, hearts were touched and in some cases, healed. The event was without a doubt a tremendous success. 1,700 Seventh-day Adventist Christians from around North America saturated the city of San Antonio with the tangible love of Christ and brought hope and healing to over 6,000 of the city's residents. That is mission. That is mission accomplished. That is mission accomplished together. What Jesus is doing is unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. In the matter of 18 months, by God's grace, this is what I'm so excited to say. In a matter of 18 months, there's 12,400 patients that have been serviced, more than $40 million in free health care. And more important than that, much, much more important than that, hundreds and hundreds of people have come to know Jesus. In fact, in San Antonio alone, as a direct result of Pathway San Antonio, 115 baptisms, people giving their heart to Christ. I, do I hear an amen? amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. I believe, brothers and sisters, I believe we are seeing the beginning of something very, very exciting that doesn't just stay right here in America, that can spread around the world, that can go to your hometown, wherever that may be. But the question is, the question is, do you have to be? But you know what? My, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a doctor. I'm not an administrator. I'm a student. I'm poor. I'm rich. I'm trained. I'm an engineer. What can I possibly do? Can I do these kinds of things? I, I, is that a question that any of you have? Is that a question? Many, many, many people have asked us, can we do these things? Do you have to be a certain kind of individual or a certain trained person? And I'm here to tell you this morning how each and every one of us can be a part of this great big plan. God uses simple, humble people. What do we mean by simple, humble people? Unless we are meek and lowly, we cannot claim that we have any true conception of the character of God. Who cannot complain, can, can say that? Unless we are meek and lowly. Men may think they're serving God faithfully. All the wonderful talents and learn 
learning and eloquence and zeal may dazzle the eye, delight the fancy, awaken the admiration of those who cannot see beneath the surface. But unless these qualifications are humbly consecrated to God, what happens? They're regarded as what? Unprofitable servants. So I may have the highest education. I may have gone to school for 30-some years. I may be the world's greatest scientist there ever was. But unless what? Unless I'm meek and lowly and Jesus is reigning instead, I'm an unprofitable servant. So that's obviously something we want to pay attention to. And I believe that when we get to that point as Seventh-day Adventists, we're going to see the power that we saw in the apostolic times. You know, God has given us a great commission. Natasha did a wonderful job last night of talking about this gospel in this generation spread around the entire world. But that's a huge commission, is it not? There's a lot of people in the world. How are we going to do this? Jesus says, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, then shall the end come. How do we do it? Now what? I believe the answer is simple, humble people serving Jesus. But can Jesus use me? Can Jesus use a little child? Can he? Truly? Can Jesus use an older person with a cane? Can he? Absolutely. Can Jesus use everybody in between? Men, women, children, old, young, poor, rich. Amen? Amen. That's what we're going to talk about today. Jesus can use every single one of us. In fact, he is waiting to use every single one of us. I have a story to tell you, and we all know the story. Let's go back in time, okay? Let's just think back in time. Jesus is about to leave, right? He's about to go back up to heaven. His disciples are all around him. Let's face it. They could have been really discouraged, right? Jesus was killed. Jesus was now going back to heaven. What are we going to do? Jesus says, I want you to take this gospel and spread it all over the world. Well, Jesus, you're leaving us, and you got killed by the, by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So what, what should we do? Well, Jesus told them ahead of time, did he not? What did he tell them? He said, don't leave Jerusalem, right? He said, go back to Jerusalem, stay united, stay there, and something powerful is going to happen. Did he? Do you guys remember that story? So they all went back to Jerusalem. They obeyed him, right? They, they obeyed him. They could have just dispersed and said, forget it. This is never going to happen. Jesus is gone. It's just not going to happen. No, they obeyed him. They went back to Jerusalem. They waited for the promise of the Father, just like he said to do. And then something unbelievable happened. There they were. Here's a picture, somebody's rendition of what that might have been like. They're all in a room together, united, pleading for God. So they're obeying, they're praying, they're trusting that he's going to follow through on what he said he's going to do, correct? And they're united. They're united as one body of believers. And all of a sudden, whoosh, the power of God, the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and unbelievable things happen, right? Peter goes out, he's like, all of a sudden, they're all able, thousands and thousands of people are in Jerusalem, thousands and thousands, from all over the world. These are guys who are not trained, right? These are, these are what does the Bible say? Aren't these Galilean men, Acts 2? Aren't these Galilean? They don't, they're simple people. They don't necessarily know how to speak all these different languages, right? All these different languages, there's Hebrews, and let's just say Mandarin, and every other language out there, thousands of different people. Here, Peter has this awesome opportunity all of a sudden, they all start speaking in all these different languages, and all the disciples are telling everybody that Jesus is the Christ. So much so that the power of the Holy Spirit leads to 3,000 baptisms in one day. Amen? How many of you would like to see 3,000 baptisms in one day? Amen. How many of you would like to see thousands and thousands of people knocking on our church doors? Can we come in? Can we come in? Amen? I'm telling you that is what we're starting to see. The power of apostolic times, Acts 4, 29, and 30. Now, Peter and John, how many of you know that little children's song? Every, I have four little children, and every time I tell this story, I start wanting to sing the song. Peter and John went to pray. They met a lame man on the way. He asked for an alm as he held out his palm, and this is what Peter did say. He said, I don't have any money. I don't have any silver and gold, but you know what? What I do have, in the name of Jesus Christ, Arise. The guy gets up. He starts jumping and leaping, and everybody's like, whoa. Did you, did you see that guy? I, I 
I've been watching that guy for years. Did you see him? He's been laying on that porch. Oh, my goodness. Oh, everybody, everybody, come, 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 quick, quick, quick. Thousands of people. How do we know it was thousands of people watching and listening? How do we know? Because 5,000 men gave their heart to Christ that day because of what? Because of one healing, all right? One healing. And Peter's like, Peter's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Everybody's all excited. Whoa, everybody's so excited. Peter's like, are you guys really that excited? Why are you so excited and so surprised to see this? And he goes on and he tells this unbelievable story of Jesus and how he's the Christ. And 5,000 people give their heart to Jesus in one day. They all go back. Now the disciples are really stoked, if you will, if I can use that word. They're excited, all right? They go back to their room. What do they do? They go back to that same place. They're in what? They're united? Are they obeying? Are they praying? They're all together. They're united. They're praying. They're obeying. And they get in this room. And in my opinion, the way that Jesus, the way the Bible describes it, it's almost kind of like a responsive reading. They're all at the same time praising God. And now they say something. They all say the following. Lord, behold their threatenings. Why? Why did they say behold their threatenings? Because as soon as Peter and John did this miraculous wonder, what happened? The Pharisees took them and put them on sort of a little mini trial and said, don't you dare speak in the name of Jesus again. So all the disciples are in the room and they said, Father, behold their threatenings. Now give us two things, they said. Give us two things. What did they ask God to give them? They asked God to give them, see it with me, boldness, that they may speak your word. They're asking for boldness, and they're asking for what? Signs and wonder to heal in the precious name of Jesus. So what are they doing? They're asking for boldness to preach, and they're asking for the ability to heal by God's power and grace. And what does he do? He answers their prayer. I believe, brothers and sisters, that the apostolic ministry of healing and preaching, again, the blended ministry of gospel and medical evangelism is Christ's ministry, and we are very clearly told it's the ministry that we are to have. And I believe, as we talk about some of the unbelievable miracles that God is doing, and particularly since this is our topic today, Pathway to Health, I believe it's for those very same reasons. Number one, what did the first apostolic church do? They obeyed, right? They didn't leave the city. They went back to the Jerusalem and they prayed and they obeyed and they trusted God and they were united together as one body of believers. The apostolic church was unbelievably bold. They had such boldness that even ordinary, they, they were thought of as ordinary men and yet they realized, the people realized that they had been with Jesus. Why don't we see more Holy Spirit power today? Why is it that we don't see more of God working day after day? I believe that this statement helps us understand that from the Review and Herald, May 1897. Much fitful, spurious humility is seen among professed Christians. Some determined to conquer self place themselves as low as possible. How many of us have seen people kind of do various things to prove that they're humble hu humility? They try to do this on their own strength, and the next wave of praise or flattery carries them out of sight. Isn't that funny how she describes that? Carries them out of sight, kind of like a big balloon. What does she go on to say? They are not willing to submit wholly to God, and he cannot work through them. Why does Jesus not work through them? Why? Because they don't submit wholly to him. They don't submit. Let your words lead all the people to Jesus. Your only safety is an entire dependence upon Christ. I think that is the key. That is the absolute key to apostolic power that they received. It's the absolute key if we are expecting to see the same kind of power today. We have to be hidden in Jesus, hidden completely in Jesus. Now, I'm an OBGYN, and I love delivering babies. And there is something very, very exciting about a new birth coming into the world. But you know what? Just as that baby is a simple, tiny human being, each and every one of us, as simple as we are, can be vessels for Jesus if we allow him to be so. What I'm going to tell you now is a bunch of stories, a bunch
bunch of miracle stories of why I believe the Lord is doing some unbelievable things. Again, it's all to God's praise and glory. And I think that if we keep in mind what Jesus said, that at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we cannot take credit for it because we have only done that which was he told us to do. So how did learning dependence upon God, this is my personal testimony time, if you will. I am learning, and I have learned some things, and the Lord, by God's grace, is very patient with me and continues to teach me more and more, just as he's teaching every single one of us. In 1997 to 1998, I had gone to one of our Adventist colleges, and I had gotten into some very unusual things. And I'm not going to bore you with my full testimony at this point, but I had gotten into some unusual ideas. I had gotten into theistic evolution and all kinds of unusual principles. And when I got to medical school, um, my background, having had this sort of training, if you will, and all these different ideas, uh, actually brought me to the point of I was basically ready to drop out of medical school. I was essentially depressed. Um, and I didn't want to go on. And the Lord, through his mercy and his wisdom and his kindness, um, led me to a friend who is actually now my husband, uh, Dr. Chris Lewis. At the time, we were both medical students, and I saw in him something I had never seen in anyone before, a complete commitment to Jesus, something that I desperately wanted with all of my heart. And so I began to read. And how many of you have actually read The Desire of Ages in its entirety? I began to read The Desire of Ages in its entirety for the first time in my life. I had grown up as a Seventh-day Adventist and had never actually read the book. And it's a terrible thing, and I must admit it. And so I began to compare The Desire of Ages to the, spirit, the Bible, step by step, step by step, and I fell in love with Jesus. Natasha was talking last night about falling in love with Jesus I fell in love with Jesus. I wanted above nothing else to do his bidding, to go where he would have me to go. And my husband and I, and I say husband now, we were just best friends. Immediately, he had just come out of the world himself, and he may be telling you that this afternoon, his personal testimony coming out of drugs and alcohol, etc. He had just given his heart to Jesus, and I had just given my heart to Jesus. And what is the normal, what is the normal thing? How many of you have had a, a conversion experience? What is the normal thing after you get converted? Like, what is, what is your automatic thing you want to do? You want to go tell somebody else about it, right? I mean, it's so powerful. You're so excited. You're in love with Jesus, and he's done so much for you, and you can't keep it inside you. You don't want to keep it inside you. So immediately, we're medical students, okay? We're, quote, really busy, right? Really busy studying. We immediately started doing, we call, you know, uh, Spirit of Prophecy refers to it as Christian help work, whatever word you want to call it. We started going out to the homeless people. We started handing out food. We started doing literature evangelism. And step by step, the very act of doing ministry strengthened our personal walk with Jesus. It became so powerful and so exciting. At the time, both of us, again, do you know that our spiritual walk is progressive? Do you, do you, guys, do you guys realize that? That if we think we've attained, we have really something to learn. We have an eternity to learn with Jesus, do we not? And so at that time in my life, at that time in our lives, I, I, my husband and I both thought, well, you know what? We came up with this idea. We didn't understand the, the, com the direct connection between medical and gospel evangelism. And so my husband would go around saying, we're part-time medical students, full-time evangelists. Now we know we're full-time evangelists and full-time doctors, right? You can be both. You can be absolutely both. Nonetheless, this is us actually at our medical school graduation. We got married in 2001. I'm sorry, 1999 and graduated in 2001. And there's my husband right there. If you can see, he's actually got his Bible. He wasn't preaching at our medical school graduation. But again, the Bible was so important to us, we would not set it down, and we will not set it down by God's grace. After that, during residency, I, God made it very, very clear that he wanted myself to go into OBGYN and my husband to go in general surgery, and I'm not going to get into all the details of that, but made it very, very clear that that is what he wanted. Well, during our internship, we got pregnant with our first baby, and in those days, it was before the 80-hour work week, so I was working about 135 hours per week. I was pregnant, and surprise, surprise, guess what happened? I had complications. 
<laughs> and so actually I went down on bed rest at 22 weeks of pregnancy. So for the rest of my internship, I missed all the rest of my internship. And my husband still had four more years of general surgery to go. I still had three more years of OBGYN residency to go. And so we said, Lord, what should we do? Now we're going to have a tiny baby. We've got all these many years of education still ahead of us. How do we raise this baby for Jesus? And so, again, seeking the Lord, asking him, Lord, what wilt thou have us to do? And truly being what? Dependent upon God. That is the key, guys. That is the key for every aspect of our life, whether we're talking about medical evangelism, whether we're talking about our own personal walk with Jesus, no matter what it is, the number one key is personal dependence upon God above everything else. And so we made the decision as a little family, as a little unit, that I would go ahead and I would take off for the next four years while my husband finishes general surgery residency, and I would take care of our little girl. Well, God had a reason for that. God always chose the end from the beginning, does he not? Amen? Oh, you guys are so tired. Does God know the end from the beginning? Amen. God does know the end from the beginning. So during that period of time, God gave me those four years to study the spirit of prophecy, particularly in relation to medical evangelism. And we moved to Arizona, and one day I was driving down the road, my little girl was only three months old, and I happened to be, and my, again, my husband, we're, we're living on a resident salary, a singular resident salary, right? Because I'm taking off work. And we're driving down the road, we've got a little three-month-old in the back seat, and I look to my left, and I see the Arizona State Fair. And I felt this impressive, strong feeling, you need to have a Seventh-day Adventist presence at that fair. How many of you have read the quotes about the St. Louis Fair? Have you ever read some of those quotes? Do you know that Sister White is very clear that we should be having a presence, at a Seventh-day Adventist presence at these large gatherings such as the St. Louis Fair? And so I was like, Lord, I haven't even finished internship. How am I going to have a health evangelistic outreach at the Arizona State Fair? I haven't finished internship. I have a three-month-old baby, and we're living on a singular resident salary. What do we do? What do we do? And... And I'm driving down the road, and the Holy Spirit clearly said, do it. Now, what's the first principle? Dependence upon God. When God says to do it, what do we do? What do we have to do? We want to obey. If we love him, we want to obey him. Now, do we have to obey him? No. Does he give us a choice? Of course, he gives us a choice. But if we love him, we want to obey him. And so that's exactly what we did. By God's grace, by God's grace, what I'm so excited to tell you is that within a matter of a few months, we were providing thousands of people health. We were screening for metabolic syndrome is all we were doing in those days. We were just screening for you know, lifestyle medicine, which is great. It's wonderful. I believe it with all my heart. But that's what we were doing. Thousands of patients at the Arizona State Fair on an annual basis. It became, and it was a training gown, brothers and sisters, every minute of your life. If you allow Jesus to be so, he will make it your training ground for tomorrow. He will if you, if you depend upon him. So because of that, the media got involved. Thousands of people are receiving free health care. This is something new. This is something exciting. All of a sudden, we had CBS, NBC, TVN. Trinity Broadcasting Network was so excited about what was going on, they invited us to come on their show. Do you guys know who Trinity Broadcasting Network is? It's like the largest evangelical television network out there. So we go to visit on, this is actually Oralina Valero over there, the lady with the red hair. We go on Trinity Broadcasting Network, and the name of our little ministry that Jesus helped us get started was Right Arm of Love, the Right Arm of the Three Angels, the Third Angel's Message, actually. And she's on the television station, and she's going, Right Arm, yeah, Right Arm of Love, I love it. And I'm thinking to myself, praise the Lord. You don't know what the Right Arm of the Third Angel's Message is, but that's okay. Praise God. Well, <laughs> during that process, during that process, she said, you know, I, I would like you to come and give the doctor's prayer at the National Day of Prayer. Now, guys, I'm nobody, right? I'm nobody. I haven't finished internship. I'm barely a doctor, okay? But what are we, you and I and everyone who believes in Jesus, what are we? We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Can we do anything by his grace and his power? Amen. Yes, we can. 
And so we said, oh, I said, okay, okay, I'll come and do the doctor's prayer at the National Day of Prayer. It ends up that Governor Brewer, at the time she was Secretary of State, Governor Brewer uh, was there. She was going to be giving the doctor's prayer as, or part of the doctor's prayer. And when I got there, and this is what the next principle that we have to learn as you are considering being an ambassador for Christ, an ambassador in this case for Pathway to Health, think about this. This is absolutely important, obedience to Christ. I get there, and the doctor's prayer at the National Day of Prayer is not like going to the uh, prayer at GYC, okay? It's nothing like that. At least my experience with it wasn't. When I got there, they had people up front dancing in Indian clothes, like shaking their arms up at God. There was a woman who had declared herself to be a prophetess, and she was up there screaming at God, you come down and you send your power, all this nonsense. And they, all, they were all going to pray and prelude to myself. And I found myself with only two minutes before it was my prayer time. And I said, dear Jesus, I ran over to my car and I kind of hid down and I bowed down. And I'm like, dear Jesus, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do, but I know that this is not how you would have me. I don't want to approach your throne like this. Tell me what to do. These are extremely powerful, extremely influential people here. I don't want to offend them, but more importantly, I don't want to offend you. And so what did I do? I came back out perfect peace by God's grace. I came back out, and the Holy Spirit just said, it's fine. All is well, Leela. I walked up on the stage to give my doctor's prayer. I still didn't even know what I was going to say. I walked up on the stage, and the Holy Spirit, again, it was just perfect peace. Racket, screaming, dancing, yelling, all this kind of nonsense. It was now my turn to pray, and I knelt down. And I prayed to my friend, my God of the universe, as I would just in my normal home. And when I stood up, I walked off the stage, and the then Secretary of State, who later became the governor, who gave her full support behind the initiatives, walked up to me and she said, I want to tell you something. She said, there was something very, very different about your prayer. I don't know what it was. I don't know what happened, but there's something very different. And I'll tell you what it was, brothers and sisters. We have a God. We have a God who loves us. We have a God who wants us to love him. And we have a God, when we love him, we want to obey him. And the world notices. The world notices. And through that process, God was teaching us, teaching us through process, step by step, how do you relate to evangelicals who don't necessarily see things the way we see them, right? We still need to be, what, all things to, what? What do we have to be, brothers and sisters? Without compromise, we have to be all things to all people. That's what Paul was. That's why he was the greatest evangelist that ever lived by God's grace. He was all things to all people without compromise, without compromise in a loving, Christ-like fashion. So then, how do we move to Pathway to Health? Right after my husband's residency, through the miraculous wonders and workings of God, I was actually put right back into a second-year OBGYN position at Loma Linda. Guys, that does not happen. I know we have a couple physicians here in the audience, and you can guarantee me that does not happen. After four years of being out of OBGYN, I went right back in as a second-year OBGYN position. Unheard of. By God's grace, finished residency. My husband and I started private practice, and Lo and behold, I was the brand newly elected Pacific Union ASI president, hadn't been Pacific Union ASI president for more than an hour, and along comes someone who is sitting here in our audience, and he's giving us a talk. And his talk, he stands up and he gives, of course this is Don McIntosh, everybody knows Don McIntosh. So he stands up and he gives a talk, and the talk was ASI, ASI. You know, it's really great you're all here. And I could say, if I could humbly say so, GYC. It's all great you're all here. It's powerful and wonderful to hear these messages, Pacific Union ASI. But I have a question for you. What are you doing for the community around you? Why are we just in a building here? And I'm like, ugh, stab, stab, <laughs> Don. <laughs> and then he goes on to show us a video. And it's some video on, you know, of a media screen event where someone was, where a group were doing a free medical dental clinic. And something like a bolt of lightning 
I, I, I don't mean that literally, obviously. But it was the power of God said, do it. This is what I want you to do. And I'm like, Lord, I don't know how to do this. I'm not a hospital administrator. Yeah, I've got my MPH. I got that during those four years I was you know, staying at home with my daughter. But I've never ran a hospital. I'm a full-time OBGYN. I have four children by this point, and my youngest is three months old. Lord, I'm full-time OBGYN. I can't do this. How am I going to do this? Dependence upon me, simple humility, and each and every one of you can do what God wants you to do. Amen? How many of you believe that truly with all of your heart? Are you too old? Are you too young? Are you too poor? Are you too rich? Are you too uneducated? Are you too educated? Can Jesus use every single one of us? If we're willing to be utilized by him and humbly be utilized by him. Well, now, Lord, okay, so you want us to do this thing. What are we supposed to do? Don't have a clue how to do it. And the Holy Spirit and his wonderful workings led me to my dear sisters in the back, Anne and Grace. Through the miracles of God, they won't raise their hands. There they are back there. Led me to those wonderful sisters. Read me to, actually, a whole group of people started coming together. God just brought people from nowhere. And God will do that for you, too. If you pray, if you depend upon him, if you pray, if you obey him, he will bring you exactly what you need and who you need. And a powerful team began to come together only by his power and his grace. To the point where in San Antonio, there were 1,700 volunteers for the video that you saw. Did you hear that, brothers and sisters? 1,700 Seventh-day Adventists from all over the country and even around the world coming to participate, to give to the community, not just medical evangelism, not just physical health, but mental and, most importantly, spiritual health. Correct? Amen. Who can do this? God has a heaven full of blessings for those who will cooperate with him. All who, oh, what? All who what? Obey him and do his bidding will with confidence claim the fulfillment of his promises. But we must sow a firm, undeviating trust in God. Again, ask according to his word. We should believe his promise and press our petitions with determination that will not be denied. Unwearingly persist in prayer. Brothers and sisters, it was and is a process. How many of you have heard about Pathway LA? Did you know we're coming to Los Angeles by God's grace? 10,000 patients in two and a half days. So, for those of you who are interested, that is an opportunity. But, for that first event for Bridges, we called it Bridges to Health San Francisco in Oakland, God immediately, we, and we'll tell you more about some of the miracle stories this afternoon, but immediately God started just showing just powerful miracles. But at the same time, as soon as we embark in this wonderful great controversy, this wonderful fight for the Lord, we have an adversary, do we not? Do we have an adversary or is everything just honky-dory? Oh, yeah, it's all good. Is it good? It is good by God's grace. But we do have an adversary and a foe, but praise God, Jesus is more powerful and he's already won the foe. So we ran into many, many trials, many, many difficulties. And particularly one that I want to point out to you was what happened in Oakland. And then this is the point of being persistent in prayer, persistent in following God. So it was, the event was scheduled for the end of April of 2014, San Francisco and Oakland. San Francisco, God was just moving the waters, and we had all these unbelievable events taking place. Oakland, nothing was happening. Absolutely nothing was happening. In fact, the president of the Northern California Conference and myself went to go meet with the mayor of Oakland, and she was so against the idea. She had the idea that Seventh-day Adventists were Jehovah's Witnesses. When we walked into her office, we said, well, this is what we want to do. We want to bring these services to your city, you know, blah, 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 blah. She goes, why do you care about health? Aren't you guys the, the ones that won't even give a blood transfusion? I mean, what do you care about health? The Buddhists are already doing this. What do you need to do this for? And she happened to be a Buddhist. And I was just like, oh, dear Jesus, help us. Well, that went on for months and months and months. It was three and a half weeks before the event. We had no open door in Oakland, and God still seemed to be saying, proceed, proceed. All of a sudden, 
all of a sudden, through various unbelievable miracles, God connects us with a man by the name of Mr. Paul Cobb. Mr. Cobb was raised as a Seventh-day Adventist. He, for one reason or another, left the church and recently was re-baptized and came back to God's Seventh-day Adventist church. Mr. Cobb owns multiple newspapers and various media outlets in the Bay Area. He is the owner and publisher of the Oakland Post, the Oakland Times, as well as the San Francisco, Oakland, uh, San Francisco Post and El Mundo, San Francisco and Oakland. So he's a very powerful man. Well, when Mr. Cobb found out what was going on as far as the government situation was concerned, I have a stop, stop for a second. How many of you believe in modern-day Daniels? Do, do we really believe that God still has people in various positions of influence that God can use for his purposes? I believe it with all of my heart. So all of a sudden, Mr. Cobb finds out what's going on. He's like, what do you mean we're having trouble? Well, just one second. I'll call you back in a few minutes, Dr. Lewis. Give me a few minutes. Calls me back within 15 minutes. He goes, okay, Dr. Lewis, I've got you an appointment with the Secretary of State, and I've also got you an appointment with the mayor again. You come to the office tomorrow, and we'll get you all hooked up. We show up at the mayor's office, the same mayor's office that we had met with a few months before, the one that said, why are you guys doing this, et cetera, et cetera. Walk into the office. Mr. Cobb comes in. He's all, you know, funny and everything. Comes in. Sits down. He says, I need to talk to the mayor. He says that to the secretary. Okay, no problem, Mr. Cobb. Come right on. These are my friends. These are my friends. Okay, come on, come on, come on. We go inside. <laughs> he sits down with the mayor and the secretary of state. He goes, I have something to say to you guys. You guys are making me look bad to my church. I need this to be supported by the city of Oakland right now, and it needs to get done. Oh, yes, Mr. Cobb. Yes, Mr. Cobb. No problem, Mr. Cobb. What can we do for you, Mr. Cobb? I want the city to support them with police chiefs. I want the city to help them in the Oakland Coliseum. No problem, Mr. Cobb. Absolutely. Taken care of, Mr. Cobb. Praise God. Amen? Amen? Amen. Does Jesus work miracles today? Yes? Yes, he does. But only when what? When we are dependent upon him, and part of dependence upon him is prayer and obedience. Most importantly, the prayer and obedience come from love to him, right? Amen? Amen. God works unbelievable miracles. This is the outside of the Oakland Coliseum there in 2014. You can see it was pouring down rain. Thousands and thousands of people. 3,500 people were lined up around the Oakland Coliseum by 6 in the morning in the rain, brothers and sisters. It was unprecedented. Helicopters were flying overhead. The media came in like the storm. I mean, it was crazy. Everybody was coming up. The media were like putting, you know, microphones in everybody's face. What's going on here? We thought, you know, this or that policy was going to be passed and it wasn't going to be a need for this kind of thing. What's going on? What's going on? All we can say is, well, we're here. You know, what we're here to do, do a work. Well, what is the work you're doing and why are you doing this? What, what, why are you doing this? Well, we're Seventh-day Adventist Christians, and as Seventh-day Adventist Christians, we believe in whole person care, physical, mental, and spiritual health. And we're just so honored to follow in the footsteps of Christ. Amen? That's going on the media, you guys. That is going out to the world on a regular, regular basis. Seventh-day Adventism, by God's grace, being lifted up, not for the purpose of the church somehow being lifted up, for the purpose of what? Christ being lifted up. If I be lifted up, what? I, I don't hear you guys. If I be lifted up, what? I will draw all men unto me. And that is exactly what we're seeing happening. This is Pathway San Antonio. This is actually, look at this, guys. Is this devoid of the, of the gospel? Is this devoid? What is that? Can you guys tell what that is? Thousands and thousands and thousands of pieces of literature. They estimate somewhere between 25 to 45,000 pieces of literature was handed out in Papua San Antonio alone at the Alamo Dome. Amen? And this is not literature that's just going on people's cars. This is people walking up to the tables after receiving services. Everything diverse, guys. Everything diverse from haircuts to massage to seeing the doctor. People walking up, oh, can you give me this? Oh, can I have one more? Oh, of course, take whatever you want. Oh, can I have one more? Going out like the leaves of autumn. Again, only by the grace and power of God. Pathway Spokane, another unbelievable miracle. Another unbelievable miracle. No budget to do this. We had no money to do it. What, is, what does Jesus ask us to do? What? Depend upon him. Love him, depend upon him, obey him, 
pray and unity, guys, the unity of the brethren. The unity of the brethren, that's something else that is being seen in Pathway that we have not seen. And I'm not saying we as myself. I have heard the, the church officials say this repeatedly. We have never seen all aspects of Adventism working together for one common goal, and that is to share Christ without compromise. Amen? To share Christ collectively, unified, not arguing, not bickering, unified by God's grace and the people notice. Simple dependence upon God. God uses simple people, simple people to perform apostolic time miracles today. Today he wants to do this for us. Extreme makeover, pathway style. What do we mean by that? Extreme makeover, pathway style. For those of you who attended a pathway event, you know what I'm talking about. This is <clears throat> These are two of our dentists. This is Dr. Sam Minagawa and one of our other dentists there. Dr. Minagawa, when he came, was so unbelievably overwhelmed. He, I've never seen anything like this. I've gone on mission trips overseas. I've never seen anything like this. Praise God. I'm going home. This is a new thing. I'm going home excited. Another dentist came up to us and said, I've been a dentist for 35 years. I've never prayed with my patient. I am going home to make up for lost time. Amen? Amen. Jesus is making over our own people. Amen? We have dietitians coming in. One dietitian stood on the platform at the Pathway event in the evening. She stood up there on 3 ABN to the entire world, tear, a very prominent dietitian, by the way, tears streaming down her face. She said, in the past, I have separated the medical evangelism from the gospel work. I have made my practice entirely science. I am never going to be the same again. She said, I am going home. A new woman, pray for me, because I don't know what kind of job I'm going to have. By God's grace, it is making over our own people, and it's making over the patients as well. And we'll talk this afternoon what it's making over as far as communities are concerned. You're not going to want to miss this afternoon's meeting or any of the meetings. God is making over the world by his power. This is Mr. Anthony Fry, and I'm not sure if we can turn the lights down just a little bit because I really want everybody to really get a good feel for this picture. This is, this is a pretty interesting story. Mr. Fry, this is Pathway Spokane. Mr. Fry was a homeless man, and Mr. Fry found out about Pathway Spokane coming to his town. He had not had any medical care whatsoever in quite some time. He was really desperate to see the doctor and the dentist both. And so he came to the event, and, and when he got there, he came through registration, and the registration ladies and gentlemen showed him all the love in the world. And then he went to the hospitality workers, and the hospitality, oh, Mr. Fry, we're so happy you came. Thank you so much for coming. Come with us. Come with us. And they kept Mr. Fry, and they showed him lots of love and affection and care. And from there, Mr. Fry went and saw the doctor and the dentist, and they both prayed for him. And the nursing staff were praying for him. And then he found out, oh, my, there's a medical massage. And he went over, and he got himself a massage. And while he was getting a massage, they prayed for him. And then he found out, oh, I heard. Somebody told me, one of the hospitality workers was coming up to me, he said, and someone came and they said, you know what, you can turn the lights back on now. He said, you know what, someone came to me and they said, you know, you, I heard you have suits, and I've never had a men's suit in my life. Do, do you think I could get a men's suit? Absolutely, the hospitality worker said, come with me, Mr. Fry, come with me. And so they took Mr. Fry and they took him to Sam. See Brother Sam over here, guys? That's Brother Sam, he's a tailor by trade but he's a missionary for God, amen? This is Mr. Sam's, Brother Sam's tailor truck, if you will. He carries around his suits in his truck, his trailer. And Mr. Sam, or Mr. Fry went to Mr. Sam and he said, you know, you know, I'm so excited. Thank you so much for finding me this suit. And there's his new suit there. He goes, thank you so much for finding me this suit. He said, I have a question for you. He goes, I've always felt Jesus drawing at my heart, Mr. Fry said. I've always felt Jesus drawing at my heart. He said, but I've never known it until coming to your event today. I have seen more love. More people have prayed with me. More people have cared with me in my entire life. Who are you people, and how do I join you? How do I become you? I want to be with you. And Brother Sam, who happens to be a lay pastor, amen, amen, he's a tailor and a lay pastor at the same time, he goes, you know what? You know what, Brother Fry? He's like, 
you need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I do believe on him. I do believe on him. As though you're hearing the jailer talking to Paul and Silas. What else must I do to be saved? Right? What else must I do to be saved? And he goes, well, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, then you need to be baptized. You need to come with me, Brother Fry, and I'm going to take you over to the chaplains. Come, come, come with me. So he walks him over to the chaplains, and Brother Fry gets to, or, or Mr. Fry gets to the, the chaplains, and he says, I, I want to get baptized. How do I get baptized? And so they have a little Bible study, and then he said, you know what? I, I heard somebody talking about haircuts here. I said, I want to get rid of this hair. I want everybody to know, the world to know, I'm an outside new man just like I'm an inside new man. Do you think I could get a haircut? He said, yes, come with me, come with me. So they take him over to the beautician and barber services. He sits down in the bar barber services chair. He sits down with our wonderful head of beautician services. And she starts telling him while she's cutting her hair her own story of salvation and how Jesus had just taken her out of the pits of hell and she had just become a newly baptized member of the Seventh-day Adventist Church having given her heart to Christ. And he goes, tears streaming down his face, how do I join this church? What do I have to do? He goes back over to chaplaincy services and here is Elder Finley praying with our brother Fry here who went on to go on through Bible studies and then go out to be baptized. Amen? Amen. God is doing what? Extreme makeovers for his people around the world, within the church and without. And brothers and sisters, it is huge. We are talking apostolic power God is pouring out. God is pouring it out on the, on the government officials, on the secular world. You're going to hear amazing stories this afternoon of things like TMZ Fox. Do not want to miss it. God is doing unbelievable things, brothers and sisters. And right now, we need big power. We need Holy Spirit big power because we are having some real problems with L.A., but by God's grace, he will overcome. Will you join us in prayer, brothers and sisters? Do you want your town, your community to be transformed, your church, wherever it is, to be transformed by the love of Christ, following him, depending upon him, obeying him, and most importantly, unifying together as one body of believers so we can get off this planet and go home. Is that your prayer? Amen? Amen? If that is your prayer, will you kneel with us right now? And Elder McIntosh, will you come and have a closing prayer for us as we plead with the Lord to put his Holy Spirit apostolic power upon his people? This message was recorded at the GYC 2015 conference called Chosen Faithful in Louisville, Kentucky. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.